This is East Carolina Hall of Famer and Utah Jazz first-round draft pick Blue Edwards. We're talking pirate basketball on the sports objective. Your home for the best ECU basketball coverage. I know it's summertime, but uh, one of our favorite guests, Bubba, anytime we can have him on, and I know that he's got a tough life uh, at the beach right now, but go- great to have him back, right? Yeah, I mean, it's AAC Football Media Days today. We're just over a week away from the start of football practice, but it's great to be talking East Carolina basketball this summer. Welcome back, ESPN Plus color analyst, Cy Seymour. Cy, how's your summer going? It's really good. Uh yeah, uh, get spent a lot of time at Atlantic. I mean, at Emerald Isle, and enjoy it, and and uh, keeping up with sports. But I'm like you guys; it, 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 we're getting ready to get to its busy force. I always judge it by the British Open. When the British Open comes in, I'm so glad because I know football season's getting ready to start in, in, in the high school and college levels, and of course, basketball's not far behind. That's a good time of year coming up. No doubt, and uh, we we're very excited. We had Coach Schwartz, as you know, on recently, and. You and I talked about a week or so ago. I am, you know, the one thing that the three of us talking right now on the show, uh, I'm so proud of is the fact that how many times in the past, uh, excluding the last couple of years we have, but, you know, the only time people talked about East Carolina basketball is pretty much in season. I uh, just want to get your take on that about how much the program has grown in just a short time. Now we're talking basketball about East Carolina year round. It really is. The buzz out there for ECU basketball is really strong, and it's positive. It's it's that it's that thing like I can't wait till this gets started, and, and it all goes back to these guys have done. And I'm talking about Coach Schwartz and his staff and the administrations have done a really good job of, of uh, promoting and working hard to get this right. Uh, you, you can't beat what Mike Schwartz has done. He's got a great staff, and. Uh, I tell you, the the thing that I think when you look at what he's done, that's really big, and and we keep all of us keep up with it. In a year, in a time when NIL money's out there, and your kids and everybody's kids transfer out, if you, you want to talk about recruiting, this retention is the key. Can you keep kids at a at a ECU that could go somewhere? Now, in the past, we've lost. Uh, Tristan Newton, who ended up having a double-double in the national championship game. And, of course, Jaden Garner left. Eliza Hughes left. I thought he did as good a job keeping his team together in this offseason. You know, when you're sitting out there with Ezra Ozar, who can really play, and you're, you're sitting out there uh, with Brandon Johnson and, of course, RJ, uh, when you when you look at those guys like that, uh, that that is unbelievable that you can keep them, and he did it. He he kept, you know, he kept his top four score score. I mean, what did I say? R, BJ, uh, BJ. Uh, they just did a good job. R J Felton. That crowd. We had we had four. We kept all of our top uh, top scores except for our point guard who was injured. Uh, and listen, don't think everybody wasn't after these kids. Everybody came after them, and Coach Schwartz and his staff. 
in the, in the administration all were supporting the effort to keep these guys back at ECU, and we did it. Uh, that's, that's remarkable in today's world, what we did. So first of all, that part of, the rec- of recruiting, that retention of those guys, those four guys, they could have gone anywhere. I'm just telling you, don't, th- don't, let, don't let anybody kid you. ECU did a good job of retaining those guys. When you, when you talk about the only guy you lost was your point guard, small. You kept Felton, Johnson, Ezra, and Jaden Walker. I mean, those four guys. And, then, and listen, your transfers that are there, the other guys that are all really good players that could have gone, you kept them. He's got, he's got, a, he's got a house flows coming back. That's one thing. So that's good. We'll talk about the other recruits, but or uh, he's one of those guys um, that you just referenced as far as staying on board. And uh, Ezra um, struggled at times with some consistency, um, but you know really picked it up the last half of the conference schedule. And he had that um, near 2020 performance against number one Houston in the AAC tournament. Yeah, nineteen and twenty that night. Yeah, you know, he's a six foot nine athlete, and you don't. He he is, and and you go back to this staff. They work them, and they 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 don't browbeat them. They work hard every day to get better, and and then now with the kids you brought in, it's unbelievable. But the other part is always remember Ezra was a freshman last year. What he did as a freshman was unbelievable. And I have to tell you this. I got over there about two weeks ago on Saturday, and I just went in to watch. I mean, they're just just having their pickup games. And so I go in, and I'm watching him. He just had gotten back from a shoulder injury. So he's not been working out. That day, he was going as hard as any one man I've ever seen. He just gave you everything he could give you. And he's a different level this year. The freshman to sophomore year is a big move. A big move, and that's where he is. And the sophomore to junior year is a big move, and you're looking at R.J. Felton and Brandon Johnson and Jaden Walker, all these guys coming back in that part. And then I've really been impressed with uh, with the transfers. Uh, I mean, DeBouge looks better. Bayella looks good. Uh, I, I'm just saying, it, it is, and then now you got new guys, and we'll talk about them, but I'm just saying when I've been there, it's it's a it's a different level of playing. It's a different they're they're a year older and a year better. So I, I wanted to talk to you. You brought up a subject I was going to talk about later, but uh, we can. Uh, I know Bubba and I want to talk about the players, but it was since you brought the term NIL up, we talk all the time about NIL with football. Uh, what is it going to take from your perspective? Because you're, I mean, outside of coaching, you're the closest person to the program. Uh, following it, and I just wanted to see as far as our level. I know that as far as Team Boneyard or Collective, Henry and Hank have done an excellent job without raising money. Uh, we know that as far as the level uh, that we are, as far as uh, D1 and our conference, we need to raise about a million dollars. I've been telling people, if that's the case, we need to raise two or three because I want to be number one. But what do you think uh, as far as uh, NIL, what do we have to raise to keep these players? You know that that's the that's the million dollar question. I mean, I really mean it. It is, you know, all I know is our group did a good job, however how they did it, because you kept four guys. You, I mean, these are four guys that people were looking at, and and you kept them. 
Now, I don't know what we did, how much we did. All I know is at the end of the day, all of those guys are still here at East Carolina, and they were they were hit hard. Trust me. Uh, the, the, these guys were all hit hard. You know, uh, the North Carolina High School Athletic Association met the other day, and they brought the NIL person for Duke there. There were, and, and, and I was told by several people uh, in the business that Duke was way ahead of the game in NIL even before this year. They knew. They, they, were, they were getting ready. And this is what I was told by a board member on, that, that they met with, that one of Duke's walk-ons received $50,000 in basketball, one of their walk-ons. Uh, so what are the other guys getting? I have no idea. The other thing is the, the head of the NIL also told them, uh, you know, we're getting really good at this, and we had a group of money come in the other day, and I just moved it over to lacrosse because I wow. felt like they needed some. But I'm just saying that's that's what you're up against every day. And I, I wish I could tell you uh, the answer to it, but it's it's going to be tough, and thank goodness, for Coach Schwartz and and the people that did give to the NIL and and for those working with it, they did a nice job of keeping what we had. I wish I could tell you more. I really don't know more. I, uh, I've got a good friend that's in charge of just recruiting the NIL uh, at Clemson, and he says he he'll text me. He's a wonderful young guy, and he said, "Congratulations to you uh, to uh, you guys at ECU. You guys did a good job in basketball." And they work it hard too. They're in it every day, every day. And and they and he he's watching what we do, watching what others do. And at the end of the day, at the end of the time, he texts me right afterwards and he said, "You guys did a great job." And I, that made me feel good because he looks at it daily, and it's a job. That's what he does. So my point being, I don't know who did it, how they did it, but they did it. And that goes back to your head coach and your administration and the NIL people. Uh, it's a, it's a really, really, somewhere this is all, all has to level out and it's got to, saner heads have got to come up aboard here. And I really believe it, it's got to be something to do with the chancellors. I, I think it's above the AD. I don't think it's his fault. The chancellors have got to get together and try to somehow weather this storm and get it at least organized. And I don't know how. Absolutely. And before we bring it back to those returning players, um, did have a quick follow-up on you referencing Team Boneyard, some of the businesses stepping up in the Greenville community. Um, there were several um, this spring, um, you know, be it Sup Dogs or, or others. And um, because of that, as well as the environment, um, the culture within the, the men's basketball program that, that Coach Schwartz and staff have been able to create, you're able to head on to hang on to Ezra Sar, et cetera, and um, I think that's one of the big things because you heard it even from uh, Mike Houston today. Um, just, I mean, you you have guys that uh, you know feel good about where they are, and uh, Coach Houston and others on the football side just saying that their problem is when you have you know, you you have a quote scouting department uh, at these at these. Uh, SEC programs and other programs around the country that have very um, very deep pockets and then they they have the ability to pay people to uh, to break down 
other teams and uh, and that sort of thing. And um, so that's where their problem comes in to to have a guy lured away that uh, is perfectly happy wherever he is. Yeah, it's part of the problem we have. And and in this league, don't let my kids you. SMU's got big money. Uh, yep. Uh, Wichita State, Memphis, those three programs have big money. And there are others. Uh, don't, uh, I, I really believe Florida Atlantic's gotten some big money down there. Mm-hmm. Not 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 fussing. They're just saying when you look up, they've done a nice job and they have kept kids. And and, and uh, it's just it's just the way the world it is right now. I'm, I'm not, I don't like it, but it's just where we are. And I think I really believe Mike Schwartz is the man that can weather the job as well as anybody there is weather the storm and keep us going. And he he's done it. And give credit to to our our administration, John and Ryan and all those guys, Greg Pierce. JJ, they've done a nice job of keeping this thing together. The Pirate Club's done a good job. Everybody's working hard. You know, uh, Cy, with that very thing, talking about uh, NIL, another thing that's important is our Pirates Unite campaign. We're really excited about the uh, seats right behind the benches next year. In fact, uh, Bubba and I are going to be sitting there, so uh, if you want to come over and say a quick word to us during the break, <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do I don't it. know. I've been asking them if they could tell me a price on that, but I'm sure when I was told that when you hear that word premium, um, that means <laughs> yeah. you're, gonna, you're gonna be in size Seymour territory and not not mine. I can't speak for Bubba, but uh, how do you feel about those seats? And of course, uh, the lighting has gone from Windows 95 to state of the art. Well, I, th- I think it's. I think, and, and this is a credit to uh, John and his staff. They wanted this project done, and they they knew the, the the rule they have by the the economic people is you've got to pay all of it to get anything done. That's why we haven't started a lot of stuff. Well, this project was in the millions, so one or two million, and it was reachable if we had the had if people would be aggressive and pay out their pledges early, and so. Uh, that's what happened, and in fact, on Thursday at, at 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to go over and look at the beginning of this. Um, they they called me over to look at it, and I'm very excited about it to see how they're going to do the seating or how, where they're going to put it, and and uh, uh, we uh, we're all excited about it. And it it goes back to pirates that stepped up and gave early on this campaign to get these seats right on the side behind the coaches. Uh, to, to have uh, the good seating, and uh, they're going to be premium seats and a good ball club to go with it. And I think people better be ready to be a part of this. It's it's a big deal. But uh, I know they're going to. I think they're probably beginning to start the work on it. Is why they're calling us over to look at it. So I'm excited about that. Uh, going back to um, the returning players, um, you, you referenced Benjamin Viola. Sure. Do not shoot the basketball the way you would have liked, especially early in the season. His defenses and rebound, <clears throat> rebounding ability, excuse me, allowed him to, um, to still see 10 to 15 minutes per game. But then there in the, the latter part of the league schedule, and I think really, I mean, in conference play, I, I looked it up. And this even surprised me a bit, even though he shot it better down the stretch. He shot 36 or 37 percent in the American. So if he can do that, or you know, or a little bit more all season long, we'll be in great shape. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, ben Bayala is a great player. He's long. He he was listen. He was a four star guy, but he hurt his knee. He he's out of France and he got hurt in junior college. He comes here, had not played, and I'll never forget the first day over there. He went baseline, and Luigi was back there, and several others, and, and Brandon, and and guys that can get up. He and he he dunked it on everybody on a baseline drive. But you know what happens is. You, you really, this was his first time of really being on the stage at this level. And, and, and DeBouge, although DeBouge played at Tennessee, this is the first time he really saw minutes that really meant a lot. And he, at the end of the year, they were getting better. I, I just I just think they, that you could see that they were going to get there. They're long, they're 6'6", six, 6'5", six, six, they're athletic. And I just think they're better. And then, you know, I thought Walker played great at the point. I thought he was a difference maker at the point, and he had never he played it some. But I thought down the stretch when we needed it, I, I just thought he was lights out, uh, and that's why ECU was really dangerous at the end of the year. You got a six five guy that can handle the ball, uh, and, and and you know comes in and makes buckets down the stretch and, and hits some critical three free throws. So those guys. Uh, really came through, but R.J. Felton was just unbelievable. Brandon was his consistent self. Those two guys had great years, but they've been there a year. Now you've got them being upper class another year, and all the guys coming back have had their year. So this is a really good opportunity to to this for this program because it's a little more of a mature team. Uh, but you're right. It, it, uh, when you saw Bayala, you went wrong. He's a, he, and at the end of the year, he hit shots a lot more often. He can defend you, and and they'll get better this year. And it, every time you do games, when you look at what they did as a freshman and a sophomore and a junior and a senior, they always step up a little bit better each year, and especially these freshman and sophomore years, they really go up. Now, I'm just excited to see what they do. Look at look at what RJ did last year as compared to the year before. Exactly. I mean, yeah. like you say, you know, when players move on. It's an opportunity for other guys to step up. Obviously, the previous year R.J. was just a just a freshman, but um, I, I would have certainly not expected him to score the way he did a year ago. But uh, that was a great surprise. And I saw Brandon Brandon Johnson take a leadership role. You know, against Cincinnati, he he literally took to R.J. and said, "R.J., you got to take him." I mean, because he was in a position, he was playing well, and they had a really tough tough guard that was guarding R.J. And Coach Forrest says, I set him up in isolations that were unbelievable, unbelievable isolations. And he'd just take him. He'd just take him every time. And the kid's saying, I need help here. I need help. But it was it was so isolated, he couldn't get it. And, and uh, at the end of the night, you beat a solid Cincinnati team. It's going into Big 12. And it wasn't luck. It was it was it was ECU getting a little bit better, a little bit stronger than they've been in the past. Yeah, you know, uh, that very thing. So uh, you talk about R.J. Felton, a guy that won the Menzies uh, Mania, uh, the uh, Madness, rather, uh, the dunk competition. Uh, he His athleticism is amazing. This team coming back, you were talking about the key pieces. Bubba and I talk about ad nauseum. It seems like, uh, we need, I always say for my, my day job, I'd like to have a new set of problems. Well, this particular case, uh, Bubba and I talk about every single year, three-point shooting, three-point shooting, three-point shooting. Uh, can you help us out with that? Do you think the three-point uh, three shooting 
will be better this year? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. Uh, just the, the new pieces, I think, will be better. Now, but here's the key. Cam Hayes is the second time uh, in the portal coming back. He went to he, – he, remember, he was at NC State. Okay, and and had a good freshman year. Average day of the game in the ACC was a good player and a let me tell you, a great kid. He goes down to LSU, has gets eight or nine a game. He wants to transfer back. He's from Greensboro. He wants to come back home. Well, we take him, and it's the right thing to do. He has unlimited range. He can shoot the basketball. He is a great kid, and and really, when you're talking about shooters, he can shoot it. I mean, I'm not just well. The second time you come back, they're being really tough on them, letting them be eligible this year. So their ECU still waiting for a decision, and we're not the only ones that are in this boat. Uh, there's a lot of them that was their second trip in the portal, and they're saying they're, they're really looking close at can you play this year. So that's going to be a big thing if Cam can't play. But you got Bobby Patterford, who was a four-star player out of Granville County, and, and Bobby was recruited by us, really with Rafael Chilius and Joe Dooley's staff. And he liked it here when he came for his visit. He chose Louisville. Then Louisville fired the coach. He then went to Kansas. Now he's back. He, then he comes home, his one time coming home in, in the portal. And, and and he is excited to be here. And Bobby Pettiford is a good young man and a tremendous athlete and a good player and can shoot it. Now, you know, he and he will be eligible. Uh, he might be a little injured right now, but he'll be ready to go when the season starts. And uh, great kid, and he wants to be at East Carolina, and I think he's going to be really, really special for for the Pirates. Uh, so uh, talking about the shooting area, you've got a lot of pieces of the puzzle. Do they come through? And, that, and that's going to be the key. key. Uh, I think I think when you look inside, though, guys, the guy that has impressed me, or they all impressed me. All the new big guys, and I'll tell you, Pineda's, Pineda's gotten better. Valentino Pineda, the, the, the Spanish kid, he's much better player now. He's a year older. He's been here a year. He's six foot eight, and he's going to get better. But the Corey Sason from Goldsboro will do things that you say he should be in the pros. I'm serious. <laughs> he's going to do something. Look, the other day I'm watching them, and you know they're just. You know, they're playing hard. He's guarding the big guys. He doesn't care who they are. He, he, he is a dead ball, and they just stopped playing a minute. He did a 360 one-step dunk that almost tore the goal down. And, I mean, this, is, this doesn't count. I mean, but I just happen to be watching him because he's got the body of a junior, a senior. And he, he dunked it, and you said, my goodness, great. I mean, it was, it was that level that you say, this, this is different. And then, and so then you look up at the two young kids that are playing in the middle. They're going to help us. Uh, I think when you look up, I think the kid from Gastonia, uh, Richard, Calum Richard, he's going to help us. He's 6'10. He's tough. His dad, his dad played for, for Eddie Payne, uh, in, over in Charlotte, uh, in college and, and he knows he knows the game. He knows the college game, and he knows his son is physically able to play on that level. Uh, and then, of course, Sear, uh, it, Sear Malonga is going to be a really good player. I mean, he's he's long. He's six eleven. And 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 let me tell you, both these kids are the height. In other words, when you say six ten and six eleven, these kids are every bit of six ten and six eleven. 
uh, and, and want to learn. They're gonna they're gonna learn by fire now. It's gonna be tough, but they have the ability, and he's got two of them that he can use in there. So, I think when you really look at it, uh, he's he's got a lot of different weapons he can use. But the other thing is, these walk-ons look good that he signed. They're good kids, good players. I just think when you look up, he's got a lot of good things going, and he's going to have to figure out how to how to get them all in and play. Caleb Counts playing well in practice. I think when you look up, Jaden Walker is coming back, Bobby Pettiford, and then you look at Caleb LeCount, and if you have, you can get, and you got RJ playing the wings too, and Brandon, all these guys, all of them can play it. But then if you can get, if you can get Cam Hayes, if he gets eligible, this they, this could be a really, really difficult team to guard. I can tell you that. Yes, I had a quick question. Uh, do you think this team, in my mind, as far as talent, is a bubble team for the NIT? That's my guess. I know it's hard to say it's the summertime. I, yeah, it's summertime. I think this team could get to the NIT. Uh, now it's so hard as, as we talked off the air. There are 350 teams, and, and, and we always say, "Well, they take 64, or 68, whatever you want to talk about." Well, 20 percent, 20 percent of the teams is 70. In football, there are 130 teams. We take somewhere around 70 percent or 80 percent of the football teams. There are 40, 42 or 43 bowl games. 86 of the 130 go to a bowl game. In basketball. You're looking at 64 out of 100 out of two, uh, 350, and then you play the other two tournaments. And what bothers me is we have a tendency to belittle the other tournaments. Do you understand that last year this league in the finals of the NIT? It's real simple. It was North Texas playing in the NIT and UAB. They were the two final teams. They beat teams like Michigan, Wisconsin, teams like that. That's how they got there. And they played, and so I'm looking up, and I, of course I filmed it because I knew they were going to be in the league. And I watched it the other night. I went over, I caught, went over to ECU, and I said, Coach, my goodness, I'm watching North Texas and UAB, and they're talented, and and you know they are. They're in the NIT finals, and they had beaten Big Ten, ACC. They beat them all. They beat them all. And so, <laughs> yeah, I said, okay, they won that. Our league won that. It was North Texas. They won that that tournament. Then. The, then you look in the Final Four, and there's Florida Atlantic. And then you look in the uh, CBI or CTI, whatever tournament it was, Charlotte won that. So when you look at the end of the year, two of the three ten- tournament winners were from our league, and the other team was in the Final Four. That's pretty darn good. That's, that's high cotton there, I'm just telling you. And that, that's what you're facing when you get the UABs and the FAUs. And the North Texas, these are these are programs not counting the Memphis, the Wichita's, the Temples, and and the list goes on. This is a really really tough basketball league, and and ECU I think is is in a position to make a move in the league. So uh, taking a look at the the schedule as a whole, in addition to um, like you mentioned, several quality programs coming into the league uh, from Conference USA. Uh, you have an improving non-conference schedule. Um, you know what appears to be on you know on paper. You have South Carolina coming in to 
Minji's. Uh, you also have a neutral site game that was just announced in the last couple of days, uh, taking on the Florida Gators down in Lakeland, Florida, um, a couple of hours or so from the, the campus. And then um, you also had the likes of UNC Wilmington coming to Minji's. So, uh, and then an A10 road trip, and uh, this is going to be returned in 24-25 with, with George Mason. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you look at the non-conference schedule, I think it it is it's as good as you want to have it. It's almost too much for me. I I, ha, I tend I tend to make you've got to win ten games in the non-conference. I mean, you just have to ten or eleven games. Now we have a three-game tournament. Uh, somewhere in November that's going to be bid good and it's going to all be in Greenville, which is really nice. That's going to help us because uh, it's at home. Uh, but you're you're right. I mean, you got to go to Florida. You got to go. You got to play George Mason, who's going to be tough. Wilmington's always played great against us. I do like that the conference schedule, and I'm proud of the conference. They put Charlotte. We're home and away with Charlotte. That should never change. Uh, and I, I yeah. feel the same way about Temple. I really feel that way. You know, we, you know, home and away. Uh, we've got North Texas, Temple, Wichita State, and SMU to go along with Charlotte. I really wish they would put the ones in our time zones home and away. In other words, right. I like to play FAU and South and South Florida. They're all in the Eastern Time Zone. I wish we'd play them home home and away. This year we didn't get that, but we did get Charlotte and we did get Temple. I think that's important to have. Uh, but the schedule is going to be really good. It's going to be hard. Uh, and, again, the non-conference, you know, I know everybody wants everybody to play good, the best teams in the world. But it, it's, it, you've got to win games first. And, and ECU, uh, he's got a good, balanced schedule. And, and I personally would have it easier on the non-conference. Uh, he, he is, it's hard to win. You've got to win 10. And, and, uh, Mike's just aggressive enough to to try other schools, and and we and they can win it, but it really puts the heat on ECU uh, because you've got to, for us to get to the NIT, you got to get 20 wins, and the league is hard enough. Then to throw in the non-conference, and you pick up South Carolina, and you pick up Florida, and you pick up Wilmington, who's tough, and George Mason. That, that's four games that if you can win a couple of them, you've done pretty darn good. Yes, uh, with that very thing. Uh, I don't think fans understand. We were talking in the green room about it, but they don't understand the whole issue of NET, the NET, uh, what used to be called the RPI, all these acronyms. I, uh, it's hard to keep them straight, but basically if East Carolina plays like a marquee team, um, a lot of uh, people in the message boards, I told you before the show that uh, it gets my blood pressure up, so I don't even look at them because – um, it just frustrates me. I need you to, if you can, I know it's just a show, but can you educate them and tell them to calm down? If we start winning, that's when the big, bigger marquee programs, if you will, the blue bloods of basketball will start playing us. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It, you, you need to calm down on it because I can assure you this. I, I, can, I can tell you, uh, when we played NC State at NC State, I, I said to them, are you going to continue to play us? It, it, this was uh, it was either Monty Tao or one of the assistants I was interviewing, and and I was I was just asking him straight up, and I said, "Can we keep you on the schedule?" He said, "You got to get your RPI up to 149," which which truthfully everybody says 149. Well, there are 350 teams. You're you're better than 200 teams, 
And, and see, they don't understand that. And, and state doesn't want to – it hurts them to, to, to have too many lower teams playing them. You, you've, got, you've got to get to the point where they say – you know, like like North Carolina will play Davidson. They will because that's a that's a good RPI game. If you win, it, it's a good win. Uh, so I'm just saying, don't let anybody kid you. Uh, everybody is trying to get their schedule the best they can get it without getting beat. And uh, it, 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 for ECU right now, we're still in the learning stages of getting better. So you. Truthfully, this is a good schedule for East Carolina—a really good schedule—and uh, and and it's difficult. It it's difficult. It's like I say about football. Listen, it's not fair to Mike Houston to go to to um, Michigan and then go to Appalachian. That's that's really really tough. Because in that non-conference, you don't want to go 500. You know, you want to win three out of four. And so I always say. Your conference is your conference. The reason it's your conference, that's who you play against and it's equal. So you're going to win four or five conference games. If you win eight or eight of them, then you're going to go to a major bowl if you win three of your non-conference games. You're going to win 11 games. But but it's easier said than done. And I, I want ECU to do well in everything they do, but uh, it's very difficult. Now, Cliff's at a stage in, in baseball, he doesn't care. They, they play. They, they can go against anybody and play them tough. He's got a national program. But that's hard to get there in football and basketball. It just is. And uh, he's done it, and he and he doesn't back out from anybody, and, and he comes on and does a nice job every year. But my point being, scheduling has to be gradually to where your program fits. And right now, he's building that program, and if he can get an upset here or there and win a couple more, Mike, we could have a good year and go to the NIT. So shifting gears, um, you think back to when Mike Schwartz was hired, obviously, you know, so much attention and you know, accolades for what he had done defensively, uh, coordinating um, the Volunteers' defense. And, um, you know, with that being the case, and you knew that was going to be the foundation of our program and uh, definitely made strides, and not as many as he would have liked. But, uh, you know, now here within the last two or three weeks, we received news that another excellent defensive line coming to campus in former Texas Tech head coach Mark Adams and talk about that uh, hire. It, it blew me away when I when I saw the news early that morning two or three weeks ago. Well, you're, that's a heck of a hire. Uh, you got you got to give this you got to give Mike Schwartz and his staff uh, credit for that one. That's that's a big time one, and it goes back to Riley. It goes back to you know contacts. Riley Davis played for. For him, for Mark Adams, and he said, "Coach, I think we can get Mark Adams." And you know, and Matson had left; he was going to Texas, and so they started that process, and and they got him. I mean, it's it's amazing. So he came in on he got got the work here on a Wednesday, and I w- I went over on a Saturday morning just to go in and watch him run up and down. The coaches were not even there. In other words, this is. Informal. I just went over to Greenville and said, "I want to see him when it is informal and no coaches around." And they were going after it. I mean, they've got teams and they've got uh, leagues on who's on each team, and they play hard. They don't want. They don't want to lose. They want to. They want to be able to say, "We won this league," and it's just these teams switching up. Well, anyway, I'm going in the building. It's going to start at ten, so I get there about quarter to ten, and I'm walking in, 
and I see a, a gentleman walking in front of me with two big bags, and his wife has got a bag. And, and I, I'm thinking, that's Mark Adams. So I say, Coach, I said, Cy Seymour, I love the basketball program. Congratulations. We're glad to have you. He was just as fine a gentleman, and his wife was wonderful. And he had these big bags. And so I said, I, I told his wife, I said, let me carry that one. That thing's heavy. So I did. And he's going in his office. He said, here, put them right on my desk. He said, I said, that's a lot of candy in these bags. He said, you know, I found out a long time ago as a head coach that if you put candy in your office, players come by and see you because they want some candy. They like it. And he said, <laughs> this is a way for them to come in, come in my office, and we have a conversation about basketball and about life. And and uh, he's he's been through the wars. He's done it, and he's successful. And you talking about a defensive coach? It's, this is a great little story. When we played Arkansas Little Rock in in Las Vegas, Jeff Lebo had a good ball club, and he was doing a good job with them. We go in there, and I'm thinking we'll beat them. And a guy by the name of Chris Beard, <laughs> who was the head coach. This is before he went to Texas, before he went to Texas Tech. And I interviewed him before the game, and they put – and listen, Jeff had a good ball club and had done a good job with our kids. They put on a clinic against us defensively. And, I mean, it was, it was like none I'd ever seen. I, I remember coming home, and I was texting my friends, and I said, that guy won't be at Arkansas Little Rock. I said, he's too good. Their teams do things defensively that I've not seen done. And and then he goes to Texas Tech, and Virginia beats him on a buzzer beater. Remember that in the championship game? Did they hit a shot in the right corner that I said, they defended that as good as you can do it. The kid from Virginia has hit a big-time shot. Well, come to find out, his defensive guy, his defensive guy his, that ran the defense was Mark, Mark Adams. He said, yeah, I, 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 I'm the guy that did the game plan for you all that, that night. And 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 then what did and he went to Texas Tech. Beard took him with him to Texas Tech, and he was doing the same thing there. And they went to the national championship. And so then when Beard leaves, he gets to be the head coach at Texas Tech. Ran into things that people don't understand, alumni things like that. But this guy is a tremendous coach, a quality human being, and he and his wife are here, and they're excited to be here. No question, Cy, and that I, I was just my follow-up question. That would be, uh, I'm excited that he's here, and I'm still, and not that I'm not happy that he's here, Cy. I'm just shocked uh, we were able to get him, and I, we talk all the time. I do with my kids about personal relationships. I tell them all the time. I had to explain to them about not burning bridges, um, and telling them about how, for example, uh, we had a personal relationship with Chris Edwards the new play-by-play oh, voice yeah. of the mm-hmm. Pirates. And I told the kids, I was just ecstatic. I know how you and Jeff, I know how tight y'all were, and we were just, it was just unbelievable. I texted you, check on you back, I remember, in February. Yeah, you sure did, I appreciate it. Because you, I knew how much, I, Jeff, I've been admiring his work since, you know, he started East Carolina, and I was telling him about how the very fact of here we are, we were devastated about losing Jeff, and then lo and behold, we get a pirate to come home and to never replace a legend like Jeff, but to start a new era, and just so happy for him. And I talked about that. Well, in basketball, 
you know as well as I do, and I know Bubba does, Cy, how it's a real small community, a small town, if you will, when it comes to coaches. You better not do anything bad or wrong because if you do, you'll probably be, like, blacklisted, right? <laughs> yeah. You, and you really don't want to. You want to be a part of the community and do things. I hear nothing but good things about the Edwards yeah. uh, kid. And, and he's, yeah, he's a kid to me. I mean, and, and listen, but – Right now, I, I just told my wife when I came in at lunch, I said, you know, I, I still struggle not having Jeff around. I just do. I mean, Debbie, his wife, I know it's hard on her, uh, and we, we did a lot of things together in the summer. And Jeff and I were the same age, and we, we could talk about old teams and talk about players that we knew growing up. And, and, and you know, we roomed together for 22 years, 23 years on the road. and and you know, something will come up, and there's a picture of Jeff on the website, and I'll just say, man, it is hard for me to believe that Jeff Charles is gone. And and uh, and I appreciated your message, and and uh, believe me, even today, I, I still think Jeff should be here. It's just hard to believe. And you talking about a pro? There's not many Jeffs. Right. I mean, there's just not many Jeffs. I mean. I, as as uh, they say, he's he's in a class and it doesn't talk, take long to take role. I mean, he just he was that good. And uh, any game we played, I don't care if we were down fifty, it was a game that was like it was twenty or ten or five. He knew every player, every kid coming in. He didn't lose his professionalism at all, ever. You know, ever. You know, uh, I was just going to tell. I don't know if I told the story, and Bubba, forgive me if I have. Um, but I remember when right at the very, very early days of this show, and uh, he was one of the first guests that, you know, like a bucket list you want to have on because you love Jeff sure. so much. Sure. And he said, after the interview, he said, Dave, I really believe you're on to something here with what you're doing. And people at first were, I know, were, I'm sure we're laughing at the fact of a podcast. Now, as you know, even in East Carolina, there's a lot of people that do podcasts. <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. And it's the right thing to do. And it is. You know, you want to know how you can help get this word out on this team? You do it every day. You guys do this. It's so important to spread the word with podcasts. Uh, it's a totally different uh, different world out there. And, uh, you know, Jeff Jeff was the old school, you know, radio guy. That's what he did. He did some TV, but his love was radio. He grew up with it. He, he grew up in, in Ohio and the Cincinnati Reds and the Detroit yes. Tigers in the Midwest. That's what he did. I mean, he grew up with radio, and he uh, nobody liked him when it came to that. Nobody. He was just a pro when it came to – and you know what was nice about Jeff? He played sports so he could relate to sports. You know, there's right. something about that, too. Went to Piqua High School, the Piqua Indians, and he, he, uh, he loved sports, and it was just a lot of fun. We went by his old home school, high school, and everything, and and I'm just saying he he knew the game on both levels as a player and as a, a radio announcer. You know, uh, Cy, I was also going to mention the fact that you remember. Well, I wanted to tell people because you're so close to him. One thing I was going to add about Jeff too that many people may not know is we we think about Jeff and all the iconic uh, calls he did for football, but I don't think people realize how much he really truly loved basketball and he wanted basketball to be so successful at East Carolina. I, I know that firsthand. No doubt about it. And I'm going to tell you something. He was really sick when he, when we played in, and beat Weber State in, that, in the tournament. Yeah. 
he, he really shouldn't have gone. Debbie went with him. She flew on the plane with him, and he was in bad physical shape. He would not miss it. He would not miss it because he thought, and I thought at the same time, I thought we had the ball club. Really, that's that was a team at the end of the year. I'll never forget. He beat, uh, Jeff Lebo beat Evansville, and yep. he beat them by about 35. And Evansville had beaten Wichita State twice, and when Wichita State was in the Final Four. And and that day when we played with uh, Evansville, and we know that Wichita State's in the finals of the NCAA tournament, and this team has beaten them twice. And he won by 35. And, and, and Jeff Lebo, who was a really good X and O guy, I went up to him and I said, Jeff, that performance, he said, it's one of the few times I've never had to get up. He said, I could sit on the seat. They, they just executed everything. And, and that's what he told me. And it takes a lot for Jeff Lebo to say that. And he said, it's one of the few times that I, I really didn't have to get up. And then, so we're going into that tournament and, and the finals, and, and you're out there, and they've had a great year. Jeff came and did a great call on it. And uh, then we drove back. At, so we did you. Back in. Oh, well, I, I just yeah, I love it. Jeffrey! Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we were so close. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I always give him time. I, look, I'm a basketball guy. But when the announcers are going at the end of a game, I, I say very little. Whether it be Patrick right now, I say very little. I get them to get their cues out and their yells out, and then I come in. And that, that's when I came in after he was saying, Pirates win. And I said, what a shot, Jeffrey. I mean, I couldn't help it because even then I, I had waited and, and made sure he got most of what he wanted in. But it was just – Akeem Richmond just knocked it home. And that's hard to do. And you're looking at 12,000 people stop yelling. And uh, we got back at 4 in the morning and Jeff was in bad shape. He got got in his car with Debbie and went home. But trust me, he he's as tough – he was as tough as nails. And I know – Britt and his wife and Debbie, it's been a very tough time, and uh, I and we all miss him. No doubt, and I know that uh, we mentioned Chris Edwards. I know that Chris is going to do a great job. We had him on, by the way, a shameless plug, plug for people that are listening right now. You can go back and listen to archives. Now you can listen to our interview with uh, Chris Edwards on that. Si, I know you've been with us a long time. What are your final thoughts uh, before we let you go? I appreciate the time today. It's been uh, – I, I could talk to you, and Bubba can too, hours and hours about life and basketball. Well, I think – and listen, we all eat, sleep, and drink it. We do. Bubba, you and I, we all, we all do. I think we're at the beginning stages of having a really good program. We need to keep the staff, and we need to keep the administration – intact because they get it. They understand what this program means. That's why they're putting the purple seats in. That's why the lighting is going to get better. And Mike Schwartz, and, and he is the guy that has the right things that can get this done. There's no agenda. He wants to build this program. And I, I really think – I don't use – I call ex-players all the time and say, look, this guy can get it done. You know, you're just letting them know that this is not fluke stuff. He's got players in here. And so, and it was good to see a sellout against Houston. But you're going to see more of, of he, he's got the right things going. As long as we stay out of injuries to key players, uh, he's got it right. But this year he's got the depth. He's got quality depth. And quality depth means 
practice times are better because they got to play good players every day. And so keep your heads up, watch this ball club, and, and see how it goes. But I think overall this is his only his second year, and he's got it going the right way. Stay with us. And, and look, you, we'll get together soon again. You call me. We'll, we'll be talking to these hoops. I'll be in there a lot more in, in uh, September uh, and, and a little bit August. No doubt about it. And I want to remind fans, and keep this in mind, uh, we should have tickets going on sale, I think, in September. Uh, mm-hmm. Bubba, help me. I, I believe that's right. Uh, ECUPirates.com. Or you can do old school, um, like I used to do, 1-800-DIAL-ECU and get your get your season tickets for, obviously, football. But don't forget about uh, the fall by Labor Day or a little bit after, get your basketball tickets. You're exactly right. Get them all on both sports because it helps the university, it helps the teams, and I think we're in for exciting times. No doubt. Si, thank you so much, as always. In fact, I tell you this all the time, and I know you're a modest person, but Every time we have you on, our ratings are very high. So thank you so much for spending time with us here in the summertime. Enjoy Emerald Isle. I'm jealous, but uh, I live vicariously through you. And uh, look forward to seeing you soon, my friend. Okay, my friend. Y'all have a good day, and thanks for all you do. Put your crossbones up and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the island, man, it's crazy in here A whole sea of purple and gold waving in here Keep a plank for the short tank, traders beware Because we got a whole bunch of body sailors in here huh. On the ready, bang the lane, be aware Cause if the backboard break, glass of spray everywhere We're lighting up the scoreboard, you came with a flare But we put it out quick, keep it raining in here Look at all the purple people screaming in here Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.